be here this morning. Um, got a call this week, said, said you wanted someone to come preach for you this week. When I was called to the ministry and called to the preaching ministry, I told God, if you ever give me an opportunity to preach, I will take it. So I'm here this morning taking advantage of that. I want us to look first quickly at Psalm 100. It's not part of my passage, but as I was, I was listening to the worship today, this brought to mind, and the Psalms are such a great way for us to open our worship service, especially our preaching service. Psalm 100, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. God is good all the time. God is good all the time. God is good all the time. Our passage today is going to be found in 1 John. 1 John chapter 1, and we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 4. 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. We're going to talk about today a real Christian, a real Christian. Now that may be a little bit obvious to some of you, a real Christian. What is a real Christian? Who is a real Christian? How do you know that someone is a real Christian? I'm a mathematician by background, amen or oh me. Um, my wife is just apoplectic about every math joke that I tell, but you know what strikes me as odd is numbers not evenly divisible by two. Some of you will get it a little later. Um, But one of the things that I look at is I like to look at statistics. I like to look at things that are numbered, and there's a study given that people who are fishermen, and we have a few fishermen in the crowd, right? There's no omis there. Um, People who are fishermen, statistically, are likely to catch more fish than those that are not. (laughs) Captain Obvious. Well, what I say today, some people are going to say, well, that's just obvious, but it's really not. It's unusual, it's not unusual for us to encounter this idea of real, what is real in our society. Coke is the real thing, right? Dove beauty soap gives you real beauty. I use it so you can tell it works. So we encounter this idea of what is real in our society. What is real? And people always are asking, who are the real Christians? Because I want to hang out with real Christians. 
I want to go to a church where there are real Christians. I want to live in a community where there are real Christians. But that's not an easy thing to decipher. What is a real Christian to some people is not necessarily a real Christian to others. A real Christian we know never sins. A real Christian we know is kind to everyone. A real Christian we know gives faithfully to the church. We know that a real Christian spends 90% of their time doing good things through the church. We know that real Christians never speak harshly of another person. We know that real Christians think pure thoughts all the time. How do we tell a real Christian from a fake Christian? The Apostle John had to fight people who were teaching false teachings about Christianity. They were teaching fake Christianity. We hear a lot about fake news today. Well, Paul, I mean, John had to deal with fake Christianity in the world. Through his entire ministry, he battled a group called the Gnostics. The Gnostics were people who taught that there was a special knowledge that you had to get in order to become a Christian, some special blessing of knowledge that you achieved. And if you criticized them, they would tell you, you don't have the special knowledge. And they would lead people into their cult group by promising the special knowledge. Not so much different from cult groups today that provide there's something, they tell you there's something extra that goes on top of Christianity. There's some new teaching that's out there. There's some things that, that Christians don't teach properly. One of the latest things that, I, that I've heard is that, that we as Christians need to uncouple ourselves from the Old Testament. It's no longer relevant in our society. I hear amen or no me, oh me from that one. Mostly an oh me, right? Right. So, so there's still that false teaching that takes place in our world today. In fact, with the internet and all of the, the, the tools that we have in our society, we can propagate a false teaching at the speed of light. And we continually get that false teaching that's there. How can we be sure that we are teaching real Christianity? How can we be sure that we're not teaching fake Christianity? How can we be sure that our relationship with Jesus Christ is valid? John addresses this problem. 1 John 1, 1 and 2. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. What and who is your faith in? 
The first test, the first test of real Christianity is a real Christian follows Jesus Christ. A real Christian follows Jesus Christ. Is your faith in church membership? Is your faith in a prayer you recited with a preacher? Is your faith in a baptism that you received? Is your faith misguided because of those? It could be. In John's day, the word Christian means little Christ. I have an uncle named Jimmy. He has a son, my cousin, and his name is also Jimmy, but we always called him Little Jimmy. In John's day, Christian was a term that meant little Christ, just like little Jimmy, little Christ. And it was certainly not a flattering term. They said, here's all these little Christ running around. And they made fun of them. They're all, they're all little Christ imitators. That's what they are. They're all, they're all those people. And it was given to those who followed Jesus Christ. How did they know that they were followers of Jesus Christ? I'm going to give you three tests. Three tests. A follower of Jesus Christ must believe that Jesus Christ is God. Jesus Christ is God. I hear an amen? amen? Jesus Christ is God. Jesus is God the Son. He's the manifestation of God in human form. He has been here since the very beginning. Jesus Christ was not born in Bethlehem in, in a nativity that we celebrate on Christmas. His earthly body was manifest then, but he has always existed. He has existed since the creation. He has existed since before time was stamped out and put in place. Jesus Christ is eternal. He is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Jesus Christ is God. Manifest all the power of God. He has all of the attributes of God. He is God. When God created man, Jesus was there. You must believe that Jesus Christ is God if you're going to be a believer and follower in Jesus Christ. It says that in John 1, that which was from the beginning. That which was from the beginning. Jesus Christ is God. You also must believe that Jesus Christ became a man. There's that nativity thing for you. There's that Bethlehem experience. He became man. Not only did he become man, he became the perfect man. He became the sinless man. You cannot believe 
the resurrection of Jesus Christ if you don't believe that Jesus was a man and a sinless man. The resurrection has no meaning if that didn't take place. And you can't understand the power of that. Back to my Old Testament thing. You can't understand the power that Jesus Christ's sinless life has in his sacrifice without knowing the basics of that through the Old Testament. That's just a little added piece. You cannot believe in Jesus Christ without knowing that he became a man. You cannot follow him unless you believe that Jesus Christ is God and you believe that Jesus Christ became a man. To follow Jesus Christ, you also must believe that Jesus Christ gives us eternal life. When does eternal life start? When does eternal life start? It starts the very moment you become a follower in Jesus Christ. Everyone that's in this room that believes in Jesus Christ and follows Jesus Christ has eternal life right now. That's not something you get when you die. You get it right now. You have eternal life. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you must believe that Jesus Christ gives you eternal life as a free gift for your belief, trust, faith, and fellowship of Jesus Christ. So, to be a follower of Jesus Christ, you must believe that Jesus Christ is God. You must believe that Jesus Christ became a man. You must believe that Jesus Christ gave you eternal life. Captain Obvious again. That is what John tells us in John 1, 1 and 2, that in order to be a follower of Jesus Christ, you must believe that Jesus Christ is God, Jesus Christ became man, Jesus Christ gives eternal life. If I repeat it enough, you'll remember it. If you are a real Christian, you also have fellowship with Jesus Christ. You must be a follower of Jesus Christ, and you must have fellowship with Jesus Christ. Sounds so obvious. If you're a fisherman, you'll catch fish. It sounds so obvious, but how many people claim to be a real Christian but have no fellowship with Jesus Christ? Think about the person who is closest to you in this life. Maybe a sister, a brother, maybe a husband or a wife, maybe a mother and a child. Who is the most significant person that you have in your life? Think about that in your mind. Who is the most significant person in your mind? Human being that you associate with, that you live, live with. Who is that most significant person? Think about them. How significant a fellowship can you have with them if you spend one hour a week with them? If Jesus Christ 
is real in your life, if you are a real Christian, you will have fellowship with Jesus Christ. Let's look at John 1, 3. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. That person who's significant in your life, do you call them on the phone every day? Do you text them? Do you Facebook with them? Do you FaceTime with them? Do you, do you Snapchat with them? Do you Twitter with them? Do you do all of those things with them? Write letters if you're old school. <coughs> call on the telephone and speak to them with your mouth. I know that's an unusual thing for you young folks, but, but that's something we used to do old school. We would, we would take and dial someone's number and we'd ring, ring, and they'd say hello, and, and we'd visit with them on the telephone until, until time passed, and then we'd pay $40 for that because we had to pay long-distance charges. You all remember that. That was fellowship. In this church, you have a time when you open up that you go around and greet everyone. You have fellowship. What, is, what does John say in John 1, 3? He says that you too may have fellowship with us. Why? Because you also have fellowship with Jesus. I used to work international projects for a large oil company, and I'd have to travel to countries all over the world. My prayer before I got on each trip that I took was that God would put a Christian in my path. That God would put a Christian in my path. So that I would have the fellowship of a Christian and the accountability of having a Christian in my life. You're away from home. There's all kinds of temptations to do things you wouldn't do at home. I wanted a Christian to be in my path. I wanted a Christian to be there to be, to be an accountability partner for me wherever I traveled. God never denied that to me. He always honored that request. How did I know that I encountered a Christian? They were a follower of Jesus Christ. They had fellowship with Jesus Christ. These first two things that I gave you. Have you ever been somewhere and you visited with a stranger for the very first time and within just a few sentences with them, you sensed something different about them? And what was it? You shared a common faith. You were both followers of Jesus Christ. You could feel it instantly, a connection. The fellowship was already predestined for you because you were followers of Jesus Christ. It's what John says here. You have fellowship with us because you also have fellowship with the Father and with the Son. You have that fellowship that's there. A real believer follows Jesus Christ. A real believer has fellowship with Jesus Christ. How do you have fellowship with Jesus Christ? You all know, if you're parents, that the whole idea of the quality of time together 
the quality you have together. There used to be this concept of quality time. We're spending quality time. It never was that successful. What really matters in this life is quantity time. Quantity time. Your fellowship is defined by quantity time with the person you're trying to fellowship with. Quantity time. What does that mean? It means spending a lot of time, for those of you who didn't get the math joke. (laughs) Spending a lot of time with Jesus. Do you have a daily quiet time with Jesus? Do you constantly speak to Jesus as you go about your day? When they were talking about constantly being in prayer, they're not talking about being on your knees and face down prostate in front of the front of the altar here, although there's nothing wrong with that, but it's hard to drive that way. Someone that you have fellowship with is someone that you have a constant communication with. Think about Jesus being on speakerphone in your car. Dial him up. Jesus. I'm going through this day to day. Jesus, would you put someone in my path today that I can share the gospel with? You know he'll do that. Jesus, would you would you look at my life and convict me of the things that I need to be convicted of so that I can be a light to those in my community? Jesus, Please don't let me yell at somebody who cuts me off. Let me be a forgiving spirit. Let me be a gentle spirit. Let me be a loving spirit in the world. How is someone going to recognize you? Jesus said it. They'll know that you belong to me because of the love that you show to others. That's how they'll know. They'll know because of the love you show others. Fellowship with Jesus. How do you get all those attributes by fellowship? Well, they can tell you're a real Christian by what? You're a follower of Jesus Christ. You know that by those three tests I gave you, right? They know you're a follower of Jesus Christ because you fellowship with Jesus Christ. And that fellowship changes your life. You're a different person. And a real Christian finds joy in Jesus Christ. We find in 1 John 1, 4, we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. We're writing these things so our joy may be complete. Not only do you get to follow Jesus Christ, and learn about him, you get to fellowship with him and have a relationship with him, but you also get joy out of that. Now, joy is different from happiness. I'm going to make that clear. There's lots of times we may not be happy, but we can always have joy because we have hope in our lives. We know who is guiding our path. We know what our outcome is going to be. 
an eternity with the Father. We know that. It brings joy into our life. It's kind of like this. I know that my wife loves me, but she doesn't always like me. Amen or oh me, guys. Well, I know that I always have joy, but I may not always be happy. Happy is a very temporary thing. Happiness goes up and down in our lives. But we always have that constant of joy with God. Guys, I hope your wives always love you, and I hope they always like you as well. But we know that's not always true, is it? So the three things, the three things that John tells us in this passage is we've got to be a follower of Jesus Christ to be a real Christian. That's not always easy, and it's not always what every church teaches. They'll tell you that, well, you've got to be a follower of Jesus Christ, but you also have to, you know, give 30% of everything you own to the church. Um, that isn't what it says. Why do, why do we tithe to the church? Because we love the church, because we want to support its ministry, not because that's part of our salvation. He'll say that, that, okay, you have to be a follower of Jesus Christ, but, but, you, but you, also, you also have to do all these other things in the church. You have to, you have to come and volunteer your time, and, and you have to do all these things, and, and you, have to, you have to check all these boxes in your life and live all these rules. That, that isn't what Jesus says in here. It's, it says you've got to be a follower of Jesus Christ. All those other things will come. You don't have to get the check boxes to get there. The check boxes will come all by themselves. Because if you follow Jesus Christ and you have fellowship with him, I'll guarantee you the, your activities and everything that are driven by what Jesus Christ tells you to do will happen by themselves. You don't have to do those up front. And then lastly, you're going to have joy. You're going to have joy. I see so many sad-faced Christians. People claim to be Christians. What does it say? Your joy will be complete. Your joy will be complete. Where's that sunshine in your face? Where's that light that in the world? We have that because of the joy that we have. I said at first that many people look at a real Christian as, as a person who's, who's got their life together and everything's perfect in their life. They're kind to everyone. They don't kick their dog when they're mad. None of those things. They don't spank their dog and kick their children or whatever that is. Like I tell everyone where I preach, my name is Dan, and I'm a recovering sinner. If anyone looks at my life as an example of how to live, they're going to be sadly mistaken because at some point, I am going to disappoint you. But Jesus never disappoints you. God never disappoints you. 
I'm Dan, I'm a recovering sinner. I used to say I was a recovering Pharisee, but, but uh, I had to back that up. Not everyone understood what all that meant, but everybody understands sinner. And I can tell you that we're all recovering sinners in here. All of us are recovering sinners. And if we start looking at people who come in our doors and start thinking we are better than them because of our, our valued position toward God, we're sadly mistaken. We're that same sinner. Only through the grace of Jesus Christ, only through the grace of God, through Jesus Christ, do we have any different position than the vilest sinner that lives on this earth. Only through the grace that God has given through Jesus Christ. How do we become a real Christian? First, you have to follow Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was God. He was God. He's, he's the manifestation of God in the Son. He came to Christ. He came to earth to, to put himself in the confines of a human being to demonstrate a perfect life, a sinless life, so that he could be the perfect sacrifice for us for our sins. Hey, I've studied a bunch of theology. I can't explain to you why and how God does that. But it's what the Bible teaches, and I believe it. Amen. That that perfect sacrifice paid the penalty for all the sins of all mankind for all time. What is required for us to take advantage of that? To follow Jesus Christ. Not only believe Jesus Christ existed, but to let him be Lord of our life and guide our direction in our life, to turn our lives over to him. I see in our society today, there are so many people that are offended. Offense is just rampant in our society. There's nothing that you can do that will not offend someone. I, I told a lady she looked lovely today and she said I don't look lovely every other day <laughs> nothing that you can say can't be turned around to an offense why because offense is a choice you have to choose to be offended you have to choose to be offended and we have so many people that just it's all about me and so something is going to offend me. They call that the snowflake generation because they melt at anything that happens around them. But Jesus Christ calls us to become his, that we turn our lives over to him. And I'll tell you this one secret to life. You cannot offend a dead man. If we die to Christ, you cannot offend a dead man. There's no place in our Christian walk for us to be offended. How do you become a real Christian? You believe that Jesus Christ was God. You believe that he came to earth as a man and paid the penalty for all men for all time. And thirdly, that you believe that he was resurrected in our behalf to give us hope of eternal 
life. There are some of you today that may think you're a real Christian. And I'm not trying to offend you, but I'm telling you if these basic things that I've mentioned today are not in your life, you're not a real Christian. It's a hard teaching. God didn't call me to preach to make people feel good. He brought me to preach to preach the truth, and that's the truth. The truth is that you may, you must give your life over to Jesus Christ and follow these things to be a real Christian. John was not telling you a fib here. This is what it takes to be a Christian. We're going to have a time here at the front. I'm going to invite the worship team to come on up. But we're going to have a time for you to respond to what God has talked to you about today. Some of you may have... <clears throat> Other things you need to come forward and pray about this morning, I invite you to do that. Bring yourself to the altar and share those things with God today. If you have, if you have a decision to make today about your salvation, come and we'll talk about your spiritual condition. I'll be glad to share with you. I'll be up here at the front to, uh, to talk to those who need, need, uh, need me to uh, counsel you. Uh, if you need to come and just pray, feel free to come forward to the altar and do that today. If you'll all stand, we'll have the worship team uh, lead us in a, in a song while we, while we make decisions about what God wants us to do in our life. Let me offer us a word of prayer, and then we'll, then we'll have our invitation. <laughs> Heavenly Father, I pray as always that your message comes through, not my message. I'm just your mouthpiece. Your message is the one that is true and real and pierces the heart with the truth. Lord, there are those today who need to make decisions. They need to, need to offer themselves. They need to humble themselves to you and give their lives to you so that you can use them in your powerful ministry. Lord, we pray today that, that we'll increase our fellowship with you, that we will... We will purpose ourselves to spend time in your presence this week. We ask these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.